Hey folks, this is Frank from the Nonproductive Network wishing all of you a happy birthday 2020. That's not what anybody says. Uh, a happy new year from everyone here at Nonpro. Yeah, that's it. In this new year, we need your help to make our network better than ever just by answering a few questions. Go to non-productive.com forward slash survey and tell us a little bit about what you want from our shows. And you can enter for a chance to win a fabulous thank you prize and, of course, get the opportunity to sound off about everything you think about our station. Once again, that's non-productive.com forward slash survey. And thanks for all your support. Welcome to another exciting edition of Numeric Comic Radio, your local comic shop. Shrunk down, gamma radiates, warned to protect the world that fears and hates it, and aired live-ish every week, only on the Nonproductive Network, the only place it would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio, as always, by Pete and John Trumbull of Back Issue Magazine from Two Moros Publishing, as we read through Crisis on Infinite Earths, 1985's masterpiece. That's right, the most important cultural artifact from 1985. I'm almost willing to say that's true. No, like, yeah. Who the hell is Mr. T? Yeah. Well, wow. mm. All right. We'll leave that for the comments. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure about this. One of the best covers. I keep saying that every issue. This is a great cover. We've got Anti-Monitor and his new duds uh, facing off with Spectre in what's probably a spoiler uh, with uh, freaking Pariah just right dead in the middle of the <laughs> floating over the, the giant disdain hand. disdain for Pariah. Pariah, do something. <laughs> I, I, am, I am the Lady Quark of Pariah haters on this podcast. Um, yeah, uh, this this issue is going to deal a lot with what the hell has the Monitor been up to this entire time? Because last issue and the last few things, we, we've kind of saved the day. We've saved five out of infinite Earths. Not the best. Uh, but we've saved five of them. And uh, Anti-Monitor's gone. Monitor's dead. Villains have attacked, but we are routing them out and trying to fight them back. So this issue is basically going to deal with what happens, um, what's, what Anti-Monitor was really up to. And it opens with me being devastated. If those of you who listened to the last episode uh, heard me say that Simon has big plans and a big role to play in this story. Mm-hmm. And it, it, my, my, my thought, basically my... my Big dreams got blown right out of my head. Scuttled by page two. Yes. Blasted through his glass skull. We see his brain like a few feet in front of his head. Yes. <laughs> by Brainiac. So, uh, listen, this is an awesome panel. It really looks cool. Yeah. These pages are really neat. Uh, and they're you know pretty graphic for, for the time. Mm-hmm. But there's also the element of... I really thought that last cliffhanger went somewhere other than <laughs> Simon momentarily killed one of the backups of Braviac and Brady. It's like, ah, yeah, about that. I'm the entire ship. How would you say that sound that he makes? The ack. The ack. Yeah, yeah. but the, it's, it's multiple Ks, only one A. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it sounds like uh, Billy Joel in the song Moving Out, where he no, says, ah, you know, ah, ah, heart attack. Ah, 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 yeah, yeah, right. That's it's, probably it. That's yeah. probably what they were thinking. He was singing Billy Joel. Uh, my one uh, silver lining on this is we're still pretty early in this version of Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe this is sort of doing more character building for what Brainiac's like now. 
uh, who is much more like the Brainiac that I know from from let's say Justice League Unlimited or Justice League the animated series, uh, where he he is more of a program than just a yeah. robot. Yeah, um, as it were. So this is how it works for Ultron. So it will be as how it works. No, for we don't. Me. We don't talk about that right here. But yes, uh, a narrative that uh, trend that's going to go through the rest of this is the um, the the bottom third of the pages or so, the monitor tapes, uh, which is interesting. It's black and white sketch work. It's um, reproduced by uh, from George Paris's pencils. Yeah, and and some typewritten out uh, dialogue or internal dialogue of Lila as she's going through the monitor's tapes, his records of all the things that he has been monitoring since the dawn of yeah. time, effectively. And such a vast amount of data can only be stored on tape. On tape. I mean, this is this is basically just trying to give the story a little more scope and being like, hey, it's it's hitting this place, and it's hitting this place, and it's hitting this place. I, so. I, it definitely works. I mean, even just the art style, the, the, the abrupt change in art and lettering um, makes me feel like this is a, a a grander story than if I'd just read this book straight through where we have, you know, a moment with Anthro and a moment with uh, Chemo and a... And a moment with some uh, with the someone um, else whose name ends in O. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this kind of gives us a little bit more, I think, as as John said, scope that I I, I do think carries weight in the issue. Um, not much happens, I think, until uh, we come across. Uh, well, what well, we do have uh, negative woman does destroy chemo, which mm-hmm. is cool. Uh, but again, Chemo is an unthinking monster. I, I guess it shows that the heroes are turning the tide at great cost. That's maybe the theme of this. Yeah. Heroes might win the day, but it's going to cost them a lot. And this is actually where we first establish, not even until later in the issue, that uh, Aqua Girl is going to die in this. Um, so I guess she wasn't confirmed dead in the last issue, but it's pretty much coming. Yeah. Um, it, but we, we, yeah, we get a panel after panel of heroes turning the tide, working together. And what I think is cool about this is, as um, as as Brainiac says later on, explains calmly to Luther. It's like, well, you see, we don't really work. You humans don't work well together, and you don't trust each other, and you all want to be victorious in your own way. Whereas the human heroes. Uh, are working together, and that's why they have a marginal success, marginal percentile chance of success over us. It's it's interesting that the book finally, you know, gives us some, gives the heroes some credit that even ap- up against these uh, unspeakable odds, they're going to try to prevail. Good um, triumphs over evil because it's nicer. Yes, effectively, because it's nicer and it gets along better. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one of these little montages is the Adam. Uh, for some reason, being instructed to remove the gag from Billy Batson's mouth, allowing him to say uh, the name of the wizard and turn into Captain Marvel. That was really cool for me. Mm -hmm. I I was very excited to see that. I don't know if we actually saw a a Shazam happening uh, on the pages of this of crisis, I don't I think this not is the first yet. One. No, yeah. I, th- I think it's funny that they sent the Adam on this mission and they didn't tell him why yeah. you needed to remove the gag from this kid. He was just like, oh, don't know why I have to do this, but they told me to. So <laughs> just it would it. take like thirty seconds to say, hey, by the way, he can transform into an adult superhero who is yeah. the equivalent of Superman. Mm-hmm. And he has to say a magic word to do that. So it's good for you to remove that gag. Yeah. And he 
then used that 30 seconds that they saved by not telling him that Dude, to explain uh, that he didn't know why he was right, doing it. Right. I, re- I, mean, I really do love that part because it's 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 a joyous surprise for everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, I, but, you know, I'll give a little credit that Platinum uh, is also a fun reveal, too, where Platinum yeah. is immune to, uh, is it phobia? Yeah, phobia's yeah. powers because she's a robot, but her very next panel, she's like, and I'm angry. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you have... <laughs> <laughs> do you have emotions or do you not have emotions? Well, she was really just shorthand for her. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm running my anger algorithm. Her, her, her big thing was like she was in love with Doc Magnus. Right. So she did have emotions. Uh, I, I think the metal men they had, what gave them emotions was uh, uh, something called the responsometer, something mm. like that. Yeah. That's the same thing that I, I think that was what emotions. That was what set them apart. Uh, or, I, uh, I'm going through these a little quick. Are there any um, of the monitor panels on, that you want to talk about? Or well, actually, else? there's a there's a, the page after we see Captain Marvel, there's one of the more infamous mistakes in Crisis uh, in the panel where Hawkgirl is seeing Tin get blasted by a villain. That's a villain called the Molder. Who is a very obscure villain, uh-huh. and uh, George Perez, as you might imagine, he was just grabbing a bunch of bodies because he needed people to fight the heroes, and he grabbed the molder from this old Flash cover. But on the story that was in that issue of the Flash, it turned out that that villain was actually the elongated man in disguise. <laughs> so there isn't really a villain called the Molder. <laughs> And unless he was from Earth Two, where there was a villain called the Mole. Oh. Right. I mean, it's something. It's something like that. People like basically. You can come a, up with did a, a fan wank yeah. of send like, oh my, well, there. This is the, no prize, this is the second Molder who, yeah, and it's who was yeah. friends with Scully. But it's it's just a it's just a mistake. But it's an it's kind of an interesting mistake. Quickly going through some of the stuff that I've uh, that we kind of missed through in the monitor tapes. I like how they call out the various. Um, people who've survived who are the lone survivors of their universes i think Mm -hmm. that was fun uh pariah is called out um alexander luther lady quark and superboy prime first time he's brought up at all in this and i'm like oh i forgot that superboy prime was around at this time yeah Yeah, he'd just been introduced in an issue of dc comics presents so he was he was from super prime which was basically our earth where nobody had superpowers. Yeah. And Elliot S. Magan uh, told a story that was sort of a, a parallel to Superman's origin. And he grows up as a normal kid, and then just one day when he's a teenager, he suddenly finds out he has superpowers. It, it, there's there's more. Do we? So just to pull out one pretty much at random, uh, the one with uh, Mybrani, is that Mybranu? It's the one opposite oh, of. Oh, yeah. yeah. So was that. Did that appear in any other story at the time? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was probably in a Green Lantern. It seems that like it might like be a, a Green, Green Lantern, Lantern thing. thing. I don't. I didn't recognize that reference, and I didn't look it up. Uh, it may just be something that they made up, but yeah. I, if I had to guess, I would say it was probably Green Lantern. Because in the next few pages, we'll, we'll visit Thanagar very briefly like this. We right. will... We will see how the anti-monitor destroyed uh, various, like the, that prison planet, unleashing all the, the inhabitants upon the rest of the worlds there. Mm-hmm. And it seems as if like these feel like they're snapshots of stories. Where in the last issue we reference things going on in Teen Titans that we never get any yeah. kind of closure on. This one actually feels like it's world building. Like there's more yeah. things out there. Mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. horrible things have happened. We don't even have time to tell you at all. Yeah, this is this this feels like a this is a thing that happened and if you wanted to hear more you could go and read 
a peripheral story. Yeah. Maybe, like, yeah. And whereas the other ones were, do you want to know what happens? You've got to buy that other issue. And I remember uh, at least uh, 10 or 15 years later, they, they took that one panel with the Paul Levitt's Steve Ditko Starman, where he's mm-hmm. it basically just notes like, oh, yes, and he, he was killed off. They expanded that into a full story in one of the Starman annuals in the nineties or early two thousands, and it was it was a really nice story where it's it's uh, him like saying goodbye to his wife, and he's like, "I don't want to do this. I'm scared to do this, but I have to do this. This is what I do." Mm-hmm. And uh, they they reveal in that story that like right after he was killed by the anti matter wave, it disappeared. So everybody on oh. his world was like, he saved us. I mean, oh. he sacrificed him. They think he did it all, oh, which was really wow. nice. And it, it added a nice uh, poignant really touch. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and I love these little story seeds that go out throughout. Uh, for the issue itself, this, I mean, the basically the, the climax is, uh, or the, uh, the, the, the crux of the story is where Spectre shows up and says, Listen, stop fighting. <laughs> We're still in mid-barrel, you idiots. We got this to do. Come on. There's still things happening. We got to get... Everybody has to be on the same page. And then kind of mysteriously in all this, uh, Brainiac does, I guess, the weird math that he would have to do. It says... You know what? Yeah, we're still in mid barrel. Let's continue to let's 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 help them fight anti monitor, and then when we survive that, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we got to make sure there's at least one Earth for us to conquer. Yeah, there's got to be some planets left for right. us. Uh, we get a poignant goodbye from Lois and and Superman from uh, Superman uh, from Earth Two. And by the way, this is a nice scene, but this is taking place on Earth One, so. Apparently, somebody brought Lois Lane over from Earth 2 just so she could say goodbye to her husband. Yeah. And, and remember, leave her there. And remember earlier in the series where it was a big deal, like, oh, the Flash and Red Tornado, these are the only ones who can cross over from Earth. No, now we have a housewife. Yes. Or, well, she, or a retired reporter doing that. She could have just walked across from the warp zone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I who mean, could afford at, rent at in the point. warp zone? Warp zone? Wozo would be what they refer to it. Wazo. 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 That's the new trendy neighborhood. But yes, so yeah, a lot of interesting little nods throughout these stories uh, and a lot of Luther looking or Alexander Luther looking very sh- shady at everybody kissing. Yeah. That's how he gets this jollies. Of Don't course, judge him. He's just a little kid. He's but the, been, but they gather all the time travel people and they're like, okay, we got to all get together martial our forces to go to the dawn of time. Yeah, and it's really cool. They get the time travel to people together to build the devices. They get the flashes, the remaining flashes together to power the cosmic treadmill uh, they get the electric-based superheroes and the magnetic-based superheroes to fuel the thing. Mm-hmm. Thought was put into how this was going to be a team effort. And I super appreciate it. Uh, uh, strange kind of that gold was the, the thing that threaded it all together. But mm-hmm. it, it's still all very satisfying to see it. it up to and including the slightly ridiculous um, Uncle Sam going like, I was all right, just we need say, to... You skipped everyone. over Uncle Sam's awful speech. <laughs> <laughs> The, <laughs> Didn't like the Uncle you know Sam what? speech? I, and, and I've said before, I love Uncle Sam. Yes. But this is like, oh, come on, dude. You got to make this all about you in America. Listen, we're not all this Americans This has nothing here. to do with freedom. This he is never- plain survival. <laughs> we're all Americans here. We're not quite. I, I also like how when everybody is gathering, getting ready for the big time trip, we have Mammoth and Shimmer, who were two members of the Fearsome Five, and they teamed up with Dr. Light. And they're, they're standing by the new female Dr. Light, and they're like, 
say she wears the costume of Dr. Light and they're like oh, I don't like the look of her she treats us with contempt and it's like no no she she treats everyone with contempt yeah, you're, not, just, you're not you're not special, special. yeah this is this is this is a she's Sunday just night. a stone cold bitch I mean yeah. it's nothing personal so we move on through this and eventually they, they're, they're powering up their device it is a cool moment mm-hmm. um, juxtaposed by a very sad moment we finally get uh, Aqua Girl's death revealed oh yes and there's like there's pathos in in the faces of these characters as they deal with it yeah and and even that choice of a silent panel in there with Mm -hmm. people just mourning it it, it's all it does a good job of creating the atmosphere of this is a high stakes situation and i know we've thrown a lot at you readers but this is one more really big one and and paris he can really nail those sort of moments he's really good at expressions and it's also nice that this is a scene in Atlantis that obviously takes place underwater. People's hair is floating oh, yeah. around their heads and their the bubbles are coming out of their mouths. And Lori Lamaris, uh, she's tearing up and the tears are floating away. Yeah. Uh, those are all just really nice touches that just really enforces, hey, this is underwater. Mm-hmm. This, this one, actually, I have a problem with because I'm very confused about the weight that is given to different deaths. Mm-hmm. It's like because okay, Aqua Girl's death here is, is this whole big thing. Back in the last issue, on uh, one of the last pages, we had I don't even know who the guy is. Good Lord, Doctor Phosphorus is killing Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and it's one panel, and then we move to another Earth, and we never find out did he actually kill. Hawkman? Oh, uh, that, that's that's picked up in one of the panels from the uh, monitor tapes. It's uh, oh, did uh, I North, miss that? Yeah. Uh, when they're back at the dawn of time, um, right here, um, Northwind is carrying Hawkman to his uh, his world in the Arctic of Feathera, which is uh, a home of all the bird people. Oh, that's right. I uh, do remember reading so, that. Because like, like any secret city worth its salt, they have super healing devices. Yeah, I, I guess I also got confused by... Oh, so he gets super healed? Yeah, I think so, yeah. How many Hawkman? At this point, this is the resurrecting Hawkman, I believe. The, this was the Earth 2 Hawkman, yeah. the one who had ties to ancient Egypt. Yes. And then the Silver Age guy from Earth 1 was the guy from Thanagar. Right. So I, I think that's, that probably adds a little bit of the confusion over what's going on. Even the, the, the anxiety Alexander Luther feels as he is, is kind of all on oh, him yes. to open up that portal to bring everyone through once they get to the dawn of time to fight the Anti-Monitor, because that's what he's been up to this entire time. He's been hanging out in the dawn of time waiting to destroy everything before it becomes a thing. How can you have been waiting at the moment time begins? Well, we actually do find that out. Nobody questions it until they get there. <laughs> and that's when Anti-Monitor kind of reveals everything, helpfully, saying, BT-dubs, Briah <laughs> did not actually do anything but fall into my trap. So, Lady Quark, you've got some closure there, which to me was like, who cares? Screw Briah what? and what? But it's, it's really weird because the Anti-Monitor says like, oh yeah, it wasn't your fault, Pariah, but you just opened this door that I stepped through. So, isn't Pariah still responsible? Isn't that literally what we thought well, Pariah he, was going to do? Well, he wasn't, yeah. but now he is. I guess. I mean, Pariah just... In a cyclical sense. So, like, <laughs> he now indirectly destroyed her world instead of directly destroying her world. It's yeah. not that... And I think it was kind of assumed indirectly from it the It doesn't, beginning. like, totally take him off the hook. I, I agree, but she says it does, so that's enough for me. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, all the other heroes come to fight Monitor, and he also helpfully reveals that this was part of my plan the entire time. I need your life energy 
to finish because I drained myself getting here. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's a pretty dramatic moment, especially that reveal of that. Whose hand was it that, uh, what's his face? That mm-hmm. um, Krona. Krona saw at the yeah. dawn of time that was uh, that started this entire mess. Why? It was the anti-monitor's hand the entire time, or right. it now is the anti-monitor's Yeah, I, th- I think hand. it's like now in history, it will be my hand that he sees, and, and he somehow will, that prevents the multiverse from being created. Exactly. Now it was him. Yes, yeah. exactly. Wait, huh? It was an event that will be well, going to be Well, they're back at the dawn of time, and it's the only place in time you can actually change history. It's and I past, feel like all the time the travelers went, future wow. blue perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yes, and of course, we can't ignore this. The villains have a mission on this as well. Yep. Their mission is to go back to Oa to nearly the dawn of time and to stop that yeah, curious they're, jerk from they're opening They're only 10 billion years ago. Yes. So. No. And it's to stop that curious jerk from looking at the dawn of time, which also started this entire mess. So while the heroes are trying to stop Anti-Monitor, they're going to stop Anti-Monitor from ever getting created. Oh, yes. Curious okay. jerk and the man with the yellow hat. Wouldn't you <laughs> Wouldn't you send maybe a few heroes along with the villains to just keep an eye on them and make sure they don't do villain No, they did not do that. And it didn't actually seem to uh, be a problem, except there no. was a little bit of a, of a pissing contest over There's- who would destroy the, yes. the TV screen some, better. Some collateral damage. It's, yeah, is it going to be Mirror Master? Is it going to be the Icicle? Is it going to be Maldor? And I will. I would just like to say I was so happy they play, They killed off Maldor because I he was a villain. I think he was just a one-shot villain from like uh, DC Comics Presents team up of Superman and Power Girl, and I hated him. Really? He was so annoying. Well, yeah, he did not and, do his job, and he got toasted. And he was—he was a goon. He had a dumb look. He was, yeah. I, I was. I'm glad he's dead. So what I found pretty amazing. <laughs> Don't pull any punches, John. Yeah. yeah, I found pretty amazing was the the thing that seems to be arm wrestling the monitor into a stalemate. That's right. Is uh, the hand of Spectre. Fueled by, and this is getting a little goofy, all the energies of all the magic heroes that were also there, not doing anything at the time. This is basically the climax of uh, the Sylvester Stallone classic, Over the Top. Yes, this is basically Over the Top. Because the the Spectre will get back custody of his son if he wins this arm wrestling match. I assume this much. I have not seen that movie, but I I know it's about arm wrestling and child custody. I'm about the custody of Dr. Fate. See, Um, I, I don't believe this for a second, because if James Bond could stop Spectre, the Anti-Monitor has... No problem. Oh, another reference. Oh, Good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, what do we think about Spectre being the opposing force against this? It feels, I, I think he's a logical choice because, I mean, the Spectre is literally the most powerful guy in the DC universe. He's, <sighs> he's like anointed by God. Yeah. And he All can right. do pretty much anything, particularly mm. at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You agree with that, Pete? I uh, I I agree with it in the context of the DC DC Comics at large. However, in the context of this story, I don't think they did enough to explain who the Spectre is. I would agree with that. They could have established him better. I think yeah. we did, did, if yeah. I'm recalling correctly, we had a couple of pic- panels of him just standing around at human height, acting like I'm just some spooky detective dude who dresses <laughs> like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, like, I do. We could have explained. Yeah, I am the vengeance of God. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be very yeah. useful. I think in this point, uh, fueled by magic, it, the whole thing seemed a little, little less perfectly timed. I, I, I would 
almost like to see the monitor at this moment fighting back the anti-monitor. I think that's a little bit more poetic, but that's mm. not what we got. And he's dead. Yeah, sure. That matters. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, this does come down to the world's greatest arm wrestle match and some of the greatest art of uh, seeing Anti-Monitor screaming that this is the moment he needs to be witnessed. And it's it's great that it's the you must witness my evil for me to be born into it mm-hmm. and the cracking of the screen and the, the shards of reality. And the we Monitor just channeling Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator. Do it! Do it now! All right, now I'll never read that any other way. Uh, But yeah, it's a very dramatic ending for this issue, which I assume will open up next issue with Brainiac just shooting the anti-monitor in the back of the head. (laughs) We done blown everything up. That's Uh, how this issue ends. uh, Also. Uh, Uh, But I am Brainiac, and I had a backup universe. Yes, basically. He would. Yeah, so I, I think it's pretty gr- a good ending for this story. I, we've got two more issues before it's all wrapped up. I believe issue 12 is a huge one, right? Yeah, it is a double size issue, I believe. Okay, That's- so what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Pete, you're the only one who hasn't uh, uh, read ahead. I mean, I, does th- do we th- do things pick up in a combined Earth next issue? I don't... Like, how many times can you stole the end of all the worlds? They did it at yeah. least two or three times. One monitor dies and he saves everyone. Then Lydia gives up Harbinger and then saves everybody. What happens now? I, I, I don't know. I, they ended it. Yeah. This is over. I, there, I didn't think there was going to be a next issue. The last two issues are just going to be comic ads. It's, it's all just I it's just two issues of funerals. <laughs> See, I don't I don't there was no uh to be continued or next issue in this. True. So I'm just assuming I'm, I think I'm that not was very even, intentional, yeah. I'm not gonna bother going to the comic book shop next week and I'm not picking up Well the cover would say issue ten of a twelve issue. I uh, just at this, point, at this point I assume they just changed their minds midstream, kinda like that time when he dropped the uh the cliffhanger that he forgot about. Oh. Mm. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be back for the next issue, and thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Mint, please like, follow, and subscribe so you can get the latest in the podcatcher of your choice. Oh, and leave us a good review so more people find out about the show. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.